Welcome to the Simplify Jesus Podcast. We're your hosts, Matt Gunter and Bill Allen, and together we are breaking barriers through communication. All right, welcome back to Simplify Jesus, where we are breaking barriers through communication. Bill and Matt here to talk about Abram and uh, some of the bumps in the road that he went through uh, after last week's uh, glorifying tale of, of all that he did. What did he do last week, Matt? Yeah, so last week we uh, met a guy named Abram, um, and around 2000 BC-ish, a 75-year-old man uh, who lived in the land that he grew up in, from what we can tell, and got a call from God and took a 400-mile journey with God to completely new land, completely new place, all on the promise that God would turn him into a great nation that would bless him, would use him to bless all the nations. And Abram at 75 years old with his wife, Sarai, who was about 10 years younger, so probably around 65, they they packed up and left. He took his nephew Lot with him and, uh, and off they went. And so what we saw last week was uh, kind of the start of that faith journey. They weren't on an RV trip or anything like that. They're not. They're not in their retirement age. They're taking a hard trip uh, across some rough terrain and not even knowing where they're going. Right? Yeah, crazy, right? And I mean, I guess he was retirement age, but but he was just getting started. That's the crazy thing. This That's is right. the start of his story. Um, and so, so off they go. And we, we saw last week, some, some little, I'm not going to say bumps in the road. Cause that's, that's what we're talking about this week is, is the issues, but some lapses in faith, we'll call it where, yeah, he kind of questioned God, but God always came back, promised it to him. And sure enough, Abram held on to it, said, okay, I'm in. And we ended last week where God credited that to Abram as righteousness, that he was in right standing with God because of his faith. And so that's, that's kind of where we left off. And that's something that, uh, you know, Christians get credited as today as righteous because of their relationship with God. That was like the first time that somebody had been considered righteous in God's eyes, right? Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, we see a little bit of that with Noah and that he was saved while others weren't because of his faith in God. But it's the first time that we see that that relationship of faith and righteousness that you are seen as in right standing before God, even though you're not perfect, you're seen as in right standing before God because of your faith. Yeah, we can claim that as well, not for what we've done, but because of what Jesus did for us. Exactly. That's cool. So they've traveled, they've they've stopped where they're where they're supposed to be at. God said, Okay, you're here. Abram and Lot have split up now. Lot went over to Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot had his own place. They they're living life. So God told him, You're gonna be a father of a great nation. So what is happening now from from this point on so about 10 years after they left um, haran they're getting a little antsy it looks like with um, god's timing and all of this so abram at this point is 85 sarah would be about 75 and they decide to take matters into their own hands so to speak and so sarah says you know maybe god's just keeping me from having kids that shouldn't keep you from the promise. So here, here's an Egyptian servant that I have, who's probably much younger, more in the childbearing years. And uh, Sarah gives her to Abram and says, have your child of the promise through her instead of through me, which, you know, there's all kinds of issues around that, but, <laughs> but, but Hagar did end up getting pregnant and uh, gave birth to a son. They named him uh, Ishmael. Now, didn't God originally tell them 
you and Sarah, Sarai are going to have a child? Or did he only say Abram? I'm, I'm wondering where the confusion might have come in. Like if they were just weren't trusting God, if Sarai wasn't trusting God, or even though he said so, or if he just told Abram, you're going to be the father of a great nation, figure out how to do it. Yeah, I, I don't know that up to this point, God had specifically told them that Abram and Sarai, you will have a kid. But but we have we have some indications that they they should have known that mm. you know one is that um, God's institution of of the family has always been one man and one woman and even though polygamy was pretty I'm not gonna say rampant I don't you know from a cultural perspective it wasn't uncommon even though it even though that was the case that was never God's design right when He created Adam and Eve it was just Adam and Eve and so we don't we don't see any straying away from that so. So probably should have known, uh, even though we don't have the law established or anything like that, that specifically says it. But but the the biggest issue here is that they've, you know, God all along the way has kind of shown them how things were going to go and and walked them through, hey, I want you to go here. I want you to go here. I want you to go here. And at this point, instead of going to God saying, hey, God, it's been 10 years. What's going on? They said, okay, fine. We'll take matters into our own hands and decide to do it their way. And I think that's where the biggest issue is, is instead of relying on God and showing that faith like they have for these 10 years, they decide to go their own route. Mm -hmm. I understand what you're saying, that God has shown them you know, the direction. Um, mm -hmm. But I think at the same time, if, if I remember what we read and what we talked about last week was that God said, okay, I want you to go 400 miles to this direction. Mm -hmm. and But he didn't really say where they were going. He didn't say how to get there. He just said, go. And they went. Mm -hmm. That was some serious faith. But like you said, they, they decided to take matters in their own hands when God said, okay, you're going to be a father of a great nation, but I'm not going to tell you how yet. Right. And, and it's interesting that, that you see that difference, right? That from what we can see, he didn't even tell them. I want you to go 400 miles in this direction. He just said, Hey, follow me mm. and I'll tell you when you get there. And so it could have been four miles, 400 miles, 4,000 miles. And they, they, they were just along for the journey. True. And so it's, it's interesting that after, after this time and after going through that faith journey, that, that this is the sticking point where they say, okay, no, 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 enough's enough. We're going to do this. We're, we're just going to handle this ourselves now. And granted, that that's something we deal with today, right? That's we actually had a, a conversation about that in Sunday school yesterday with you know trusting God's timing, trusting that that his timing is perfect. And so sometimes you gotta wait on it. Sometimes you have to wait to see where God is leading you and what he's got for you. And in this case, uh Sarah and Abram, like like you saying, they 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 took matters into their own hands uh in this case and and decided to not not stick it out and wait for God's timing. Yeah, and like we said, you know, in, in the Sunday school yesterday, like like you just mm -hmm. mentioned, um, sometimes you can't see it at the time, but you look back and say, "Oh yeah, that was God doing that. I should have waited," or "Oh, I'm glad I didn't try to do this on my own." So anyway, uh, it seems like that's what we see. What's about to happen here? So, mm -hmm. um, thank you for allowing me to elaborate. Please continue. So coming off of that, we have a 13-year gap between Genesis 16 and 17. Uh, so Abram is 86 years old when Ishmael is born. He's 99 years old when uh, when God comes back into the story and when when we pick up the story. And so we kind of have this imagery here that, or the the thought here that God's been pretty quiet with them. He's he's walked alongside them this whole way, led them on this journey, and then we have 13 years of silence. Or at least it's not recorded if they if they are talking. 
And this is most likely due to the sin issues that we talked about, right, of, of them trying to take matters into their own hands, God's intention for marriage being one man and one woman. And so that, that lack of faith led to some distance from God in the same way that sin does that in our lives today, that it creates a separation. It's not that God isn't there. It's not that God isn't with us, walking alongside us, but that we're not connected, so to speak, when we've got sin in our lives that, you know, sometimes the, you know, if you're praying, you feel like it may stop at the ceiling, uh, so to speak, that you're not feeling that, that communication, that sort of thing that can happen when we have sin in our lives. That's very likely what what Abram's dealing with here. This is a perfect example of the world doing things their way. Like you said, polygamy wasn't uncommon back then, but the world saw that as perfectly fine back then. Uh, you know, you had your your leaders, your kings, everybody that had their their concubines and, 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 and all of this, um, just the way things were. But God still said, no, no, I want you to, one, one man, one woman, and if you listen to me, I'm going to bless you in this. If you do what I want you to do, I'm going to do what I said I would do. So even though he screwed up, God still, and you're going to get to this, I don't mean to jump ahead, but God still comes back and says, I'm still going to honor my promise, even though you screwed up. Yeah, that's one of the coolest parts of this story is that after those 13 years, God does come back into the picture and he sets up the covenant with with Abram again. And so it's not that his promise has changed, but yeah, Abram kind of did it to himself. He he probably delayed the that promise coming to fruition here. And so when God comes back into this scene, he does a couple of things. One is that he establishes the covenant of circumcision. And so that was very, very, and I would assume still is very, very important in Jewish culture today as a as a symbol of the nation that has that is committed to God. That was kind of the outward sign of that almost a little bit like baptism is the outward display of our faith in Christ. Kind of weird to think of those two as the same thing, but <laughs> it's the covenant. Uh, it's the covenant of circumcision there. The other thing that happens is that Abram is given a new name here, uh, Abraham, and Abraham is the name that we know him by. Um, but the reason for the name change is that he would be the father of many nations now. So originally, Abram was going to be the father of a great nation. That would be Israel. Um, but now, uh, now that Ishmael's on the scene, God's not going to just cast Ishmael out. He's not going to just throw him out. That's still Abram's kid. And so through this new name, he's confirming the promise that Ishmael, he's going to be a great nation as well. And in fact, when you look at uh kind of the world religion and the impact this had, this is Ishmael's line is where the uh, religion of Islam tracks their heritage back to Abram and Abraham. It's through Ishmael. So, um, so, so we know, we know what happens there and, and what that is in the modern context. Is this what you were alluding to last week when we talked about how Abraham is in a way the father of Islam as well? Yes. Yeah. This is it. Ishmael is, is that connection. And that's what, that's the one they point back to. And so and we, like I said, we see that, that that has become a powerful religion. I don't want to call it a great religion because uh, it's a false religion, but it's a powerful religion. Um, and, and it's had a major impact on especially that Middle East area of the world. But what it also confirms is that the child that God had promised still hadn't come yet because there were, that's one nation. There's still another nation to come. And so uh, through this, Sarah is also given a new name, Sarah, and is promised to be the mother of a great nation. The Kings would come from her. So in my reading, I saw that um, I, I found it interesting that um, Sarah 
Sarah at this time was listening in on a conversation that um, Abraham at this time was having with God in the form of a, an angel, I think, or a, a yeah, he. I think it was like three, three messengers, three mm-hmm. angels. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's talking to God directly, and we know that because he addresses all three as my Lord. So we know that that was God coming down in those form. Um, but in this conversation, Sarah was listening in, and they were telling Abraham, "Sarah's going to have a, a child, and and this is going to be what gives you these great nations." And she's laughing and doubting what God says. So my thought is that Abraham is the one that had this faith all along, even though he's doubted too. He said, but I'm already old. How am I going to do this? And that's, in my mind, that's probably where the thought of, okay, well, I need Hagar, my wife's slave, because I'm already old. Sarah's already old. So they're just trying to figure it out on their own. But Sarah just, when she hears this, she just completely laughs it off and says, there's no way. But then She's questioned about it and then lies about it. I didn't. I didn't laugh. I didn't. I didn't doubt. How are you going to lie to God like that? I think He kind of sees everything, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Well, and and it's really interesting. Yeah, you know, something you said kind of sparked this thought that Abram slash Abraham really did always have that strong faith, but Sarah is the one that brought in the idea of Hagar mm-hmm. um, from what we see, and that's not to put all the blame on Sarah because because Abram acted on it, but. But Abram allowed himself to be affected by her lack of faith. Um, So when she doubted, he was influenced by that and said, you know what? Maybe this is the right thing. Um, Which points, it's really, really important that when we are relying on God, when when we're walking in faith, um, that we don't, that we make sure that those outside influences that seem like good advice, seem like good ideas, that we check it. Um, and make sure that that's really the right thing because we see it here again, like you said, that Sarah says, wait, hold on. No, I'm a, she, she laughs at the idea. Now granted kind of makes sense to laugh a little bit. Abraham's a hundred years old. Sarah's 90 at this point. Like that's well past, you know, any kind of normal childbearing gears, but um, at least in today's age, you know, um, who knows what it was like? Apparently, they thought so too back then. Right. Um, even though they lived to be like what three hundred or something like that. But today, <laughs> like I said last week or a week before, if you're over forty, the doctors are like, "Whoa, you're high risk. Let's let's take things easy." <laughs> right. Exactly. And she's more than double that. Yeah. You know. So so it kind of it makes sense, but um, but but it's just important to 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 check that stuff and to make sure that the wisdom we've got coming in is truly godly wisdom, not just, uh, not just good advice from, from the people around us. So the funny part to me, I'm, I'm laughing at this is that Sarah, when she lied to God, he simply said, yes, you did laugh. And then it goes on to the next section just it just he just kind of walks away. Yes, you did laugh, and it just seems like he just kind of walks away, and then moves on to Sodom and Gomorrah, and mm-hmm. and figures out what to do with them. That's just that's just hilarious to me. Yeah, it's it, it's one of those like uh, like mic mic drop moments. Like yeah. no, you think you think I don't know you laughed? Come on now, 
I've got more important things to deal with now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's let's move on. Yeah. Speaking of Sodom and Gomorrah, that does happen. That's like the next thing. So there Abraham and God's relationship is restored. New covenant in place, new names, all that stuff. And God's sitting there saying, you know, if Abraham's going to be the one through whom the entire world is blessed, I should probably keep him up to date on my plans um, and what's going on. And so he tells them that he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah due to their sinfulness. In Genesis 18, 21, it says, I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know, which is kind of interesting. You know, he, he knew that Sarah laughed, but he's maybe not so sure about Sodom and Gomorrah. I think there might yeah, be that's... some kind of, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand what that means because he sees everything mm-hmm. and he's hearing reports of how bad Sodom and Gomorrah is, but he also can see it from wherever he's at. And he says he has to go down there to see if it's actually as bad as what he's hearing. I don't, mm-hmm. That part, I just don't understand at all. Yeah. It makes me wonder if, uh, if there's some so, something maybe poetic in the language or something that that's supposed to mean, you know, something different um, because God is omniscient. He knows he knew, but we, you know, something that we see a lot in the, in the story of Abraham, we'll just focus in on that is the angels and messengers um, uh, coming onto the scene to, to give messages to people. And, and so, you know, may, maybe that's what was going on or, um, I don't know. It's it kind of interesting though. Yeah. But God definitely knew. He definitely saw what was going on um, and knew that it was it was bad news there. Well, I feel like um, in this time, in I feel like in this time, it's obviously it happens a lot in the New Testament as well. But it seems to me like during this time, this is the most that God has sent angels down or come down Himself in I guess the form of an angel or messenger. I think as they as they worded in the Bible. Though it it happens frequently in the New Testament, of course, um, but I don't recall. Maybe you can correct me, but I don't recall God coming down as often to deal with situations hands on, the way He does here. No, I I don't think He does. I mean, in the New Testament, we see more. You know, Jesus talks about you know how He could call down a legion of angels and that and that sort of thing, but we don't see it actually happening. The the transition that happens, I think, is you know it all hinges around Jesus because the the whole Bible does. Uh, is that the the Holy Spirit is introduced at Jesus' death and resurrection, and so God sends the Holy Spirit to us so that that is our counselor, our guide, the one that teaches us, the one that you know convicts us when we need it and gives us those messages. And so I think that's that's the shift that happens is instead of God using angels because we have Jesus and we have that connection with God, we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us. That, yeah. The- the death and resurrection seems to be the stopping point because obviously you've got the, the herald angel with the shepherds when Jesus is born. You've got the angels sitting on top of the tomb when Mary and the other ladies show up to mm-hmm. to what dress the body, I guess, and he's not there. You know, you've got different reports of all these angels coming through, but then when Jesus dies and is resurrected, you stop seeing it. That's interesting. Yeah, and I think I think that's the shift um, is is the the Holy Spirit comes onto the scene. But it, you know, it kind of makes me wonder what that would be like to be visited by three angels, and like you said earlier, he calls them Lord, which means that this was God. There's uh, the word for that is sometimes used as Christophany, um, but it's like basically like a Jesus appearance in the Old Testament in in the form of an angel. 
it's kind of an interesting concept to think of of God being on earth to deal with stuff hands on. Because you're right, we don't you know we don't see that today. We mm-hmm. see we see God moving today. We see Him um, working, but not in that physical form like you like this definitely points to. Right, and this is my brain working in real time, people, because I'm just putting this <laughs> stuff together. It's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's isn't it, isn't it so much fun though? Like just a little side note, isn't it so much fun when you have those realizations and revelations like? I, th- that's crazy. This doesn't like, what would that have been like? Or, oh, this is how this all fits together. I love mm-hmm. it. It's, yeah. it's one of the things that from studying the Bible and digging in, it, it's, it's the thing that keeps, it's one of the things that helps me to always come back. It's because there's always something different, right? There's always something new, even stories that I've read, you know, many, many times uh, at this point, there's always something new stuck in the middle of it. And, you know, and, and I would encourage all of you, and, and we're certainly not done with this story, but uh, uh, again, mm-hmm. another side note, for me, um, as a, a newish Christian, um, being able to sit and talk with you about all this stuff, like like I said, in real time, uh, going through the, the chapters, verse by verse, kind of picking out some interesting spots to pull out to, to tell our listeners about, and kind of dig into those, that has, has made it so much more tangible for me to be able to talk it out and that's uh you know again not to jump ahead but that's what bible studies are so good for is to sit and and really just dig into it and have those revelations like you said and and come up with what ifs because we don't know everything um but to be able to work things out in our own minds to figure things out that's just that just makes it fun that's right absolutely yeah and if anybody ever tells you they've got it all figured out they're uh they, they, they don't have any of it figured out yet <laughs> <That's for laughs> because sure. you can, you can know what the Bible says and not know what it means. Uh, I think that happens uh, a decent bit with, you know, um, I, I'll, I'll just say with, uh, with, with Christians and non-Christians alike of just knowing kind of the words on the page without the application and what, what does it mean for me today? And you can, you can tell the difference when, when somebody's talking about it as a, like a, like a history book and not like a, uh, not like the Bible, what it is. Right. Right. Sorry to derail there. Okay, so let's go back to <laughs> let's go back to Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, so God's come down. He's checking it out. He he's he's seeing if it's as bad as he's hearing it is. Mm-hmm. So uh, Lot has moved to Sodom and Gomorrah, so he's there. So Abraham has some uh, very invested interest in in what happens to to that place. So now mm-hmm. what? And God's God's talking to Abraham now uh, about the possibilities about what's going to happen here. So what what's going on there, Matt? Yeah. So Abraham and God have this interesting conversation where God tells him, look, I'm planning to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham says, okay, well, what if there are like 50 righteous people there? Will you destroy the city with the 50 righteous in it? Will you throw the righteous away with with the wicked? And God says, No, 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 I won't do it for 50. And then he goes down the list, you know, will you do it at 45? Will you do it at 40? Will you do it at 30? Um, and and works all the way down. And God basically confirms, like, no, like I I will not destroy the righteous in this city along with the wicked. That he he would save them. He he would give them an, an opportunity to get out. And so, of course, Abraham's asking this because of Lot. So Lot is his nephew, but it was more like a father-son relationship from what we can tell. And so God uh, sticks to his promise. Um, he sent angels to Lot in, 
I can't remember if he was in Sodom or Gomorrah. I can't remember which of those cities he was in, but whichever. He sent angels to uh, to Lot and said, look, you need to get you and your wife and your kids and their families, get everybody out. Um, because there's there's fire, literal fire and brimstone coming for Sodom and Gomorrah. They say, look, flee to the mountains, run away, and don't look back because this, this city is going to be destroyed. And so, uh, so they pack their stuff, um, Lot and his wife and their daughters. I think if I'm remembering right, daughter's husband stay. They they chose to not heed the warning, but Lot's family all leaves. And unfortunately, a Lot's wife did look back uh, against the angel's instructions and was turned into a pillar of salt, which is just, that's kind of crazy to think about. I don't really know, uh, other than not heeding God's warning, I don't know what the significance of the pillar of salt is, but, but yeah, but we don't follow God's instructions, right? Yeah. Well, um, hold on. I want to, I want to back up a second because, yeah. um, you know, God has looked at this, these cities and, mm-hmm. and said, this is bad. I'm going to destroy yeah. it. And Abraham is pleading, you know, 30 people, 20 people, 10 people. And apparently they couldn't even find one righteous, uh, uh, maybe a lot. Because mm-hmm. God says, no, I won't do it if you can find them, and he's going to destroy it. So he didn't find any, but he gave him an opportunity to get Lot and his family out. Now, mm-hmm. what I wanted to, to come back to was to show you just how bad Sodom and Gomorrah was. Because you've got these two angels that come down to help Lot get out, to pack up the family. But when they get there, they get locked into a room. And this mob is trying to beat down the door. And they're saying, we saw these two guys enter this room. Now, this is a group of men, more than likely. And they're saying, let us have them. We want to have sex with them. What? You got two new people entering a town, and the first thing people are thinking about is they want to have sex with these guys. That, that's when you know things are bad. And yeah, that's that that's the that that tells you the level of depravity, right? Yeah. Like of just just how crazy bad these cities were. And, and I think to your point, I think you know, Lot and his family were the only righteous ones. Now, were they involved in the culture? Did they go into that? We see some indication because Lot pushed back against the city and and kind of understood that these two men were angels from God. And so I'm not going to give them, he even like as sick as this is, he offers mm-hmm. his daughters yeah. um, in their place. And which is just, it just tells you how bad it was. And that Lot was by no means perfect. Just throw that out there too. Yeah. <laughs> but they were apparently righteous enough to to have that opportunity. Or maybe it was just out of respect for Abraham and saying, look, I know that this is your family. So we're going to get them out of there before this happens. Well, and I think um, the significance with Lot's wife looking back, um, something I had learned a while back in a Bible study was, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I still don't understand the salt thing, but mm-hmm. the angels said, don't look back when you're leaving in reference to don't look back in, in wanting what you're, what you're leaving. And she looks back with desire. She's like, no, I wanted to stay, but you're pulling me out. And God says, nope, you're done. Pillar of salt. Um, because she wanted to live that lifestyle, I think, rather than leave with her husband who was trying to protect his family. Yeah. If, if you think about it in, um, I mean, probably something we all deal with, you know, sometimes. So on the one hand, 
hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? You you can see things more clearly after you're out of a situation. But I think a lot of times too, I at least for me, I look back on situations with more fondness than I actually than it w- actually was. Um, so uh, you know, some of that is because I've got a different perspective being out of the situation instead of in the middle of it. But I think some of it too is you know put on those rose colored glasses mm-hmm. and like oh that that wasn't that bad. And it kind of makes you wonder if that's what was going on. If she was saying she lo- she was looking back like, well you know I mean that I mean that's home so it wasn't that bad. It would mm-hmm. be okay. Um, not realizing just how bad it really was. And I think that's um, instruction for us that when we're, I I think of my smoking addiction over the years, Mm. you know. Um, In fact, I was just talking to Emily about this the other day. You know, sometimes I would absolutely absolutely love to sit around with a cigar and have a drink and just relax. Because I remember, like you said, it wasn't that bad. I remember this is relaxing. This is great. I love this. You know, when I know how bad it is for me, I know how awful it was. But if I look back, if I even have one, I'm going right back into it. So I, Mm -hmm. I just can't, I have to walk away from it all. Right. Right. Because what may not be coming to mind is all of the negative side effects that Mm -hmm. came with it. Right. Like the, like you said, how bad it is for you. You're not thinking about that. When you look back on it, what comes to mind is the reason you did it in the first place, that it is relaxing, that it is, you know, whatever it may be. In our minds, and it's not really, but in our minds, it is. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And how much of the sin that we've got in our lives is like that, mm-hmm. that, you know, we look, well, well, that wasn't that, it's not really going back to the creation story. That's how uh, Satan got Eve, right? God didn't really say that this was a bad thing, right? He didn't really say mm-hmm that you shouldn't eat from any tree. Well, no, right. He, he twists those words and Satan does the same thing in our heads. He twists that up so that what we've been walking away from and getting away from, um, oh, it, it, it's not that bad for you. It, it's okay. And remembering only the reason that we did it, not why we walked away from it. Yeah. Yeah. So now that we've fried your brains with how bad it actually was, and that's only the tip <laughs> of the iceberg, y'all, we, we don't even know. That's no, the thing. We don't. we don't even know how bad it was. We just know it's bad enough that God said, this place has got to go. Yeah. Fire and brimstone. Yeah. And if they're asking to have sex with two men that just came into town, you know that it's it doesn't stop there. You know, right. I mean, it's sin just tends to compound itself as it grows and it grows and it grows until you're completely desensitized to what is actually right and wrong. And... The, the lines get so completely blurred that nothing matters anymore. You know, when you, when you look at drug addicts out there that are, they get deeper and deeper and deeper into it until, uh, you know, they, they OD. And, and obviously we know that's a, that's a, a sickness. That's a, that's something that sometimes needs a lot of help, but so I'm not entirely picking on that, but, um, any kind of addiction, the deeper you get into it, the, the harder it is to get out and, the the last thing you did wasn't good enough you need to go bigger and better every time so so that's that's my point with that so we know that that was that had to be just a a a horrible place with with even what we know was happening yeah for sure for sure It, it definitely was so now god has sent fire and brimstone we don't know what that looks like you know it could be meteors could be literal just fire falling from the heavens um 
could be could have been anything. Could have been lightning burning up all the buildings. Who knows? But we know that God destroyed the city. So they rescue Lot and his family, but unfortunately not his wife. And this just leads to more trouble, right? What what's what's going on from here? So when when they leave, the the daughters left their husbands behind, um, or their hus I should say the husbands didn't come with Lot and his daughters and, and their family, and so yeah, they're they're at a point now where uh, they don't have kids that we know of, and so but they believe that because their husbands are back in Sodom and Gomorrah that um, and didn't survive that they uh, that they would not have an opportunity to meet somebody else and to have kids, and you know kids were really really important part of not only a really important part of society, but like it was a show of your blessing, essentially how many kids you had. And so for, for these, for these daughters of Lot to not have kids was a big deal. That would have been a, a, a big, I guess, knock on their family, right? Because Lot, uh, from what we know, he didn't have sons. He just had these two daughters. And so they were the opportunity to continue the family line. And because they didn't have their husbands anymore, they decided to take matters into their own hands and actually slept with Lot um, and had kids by their dad, mm. which is just like, again, you want to talk about the depravity of the situation in Sodom and Gomorrah, that that thought would have even crossed their mind, tells you a lot yeah. about about what they were dealing with there. There is some fun history that comes off of that uh, that, that we learn about, but um, I shouldn't say fun history. <laughs> no, probably <laughs> <Because> not. <laughs> there, there, there is some important uh, history that comes out of that as far as some different nations and cultures that come out of that. But, but just a sad situation that confirms again, how rough Sodom and Gomorrah was and, and the, the, the sinful nature of those places. So, so interestingly, the, the sons, each of the daughters has one son. Uh, one is named Moab and the other is Ben Ami. And those two become the father of two of the greater cultures in the Iron Age, known as the Moabites and the Ammonites. And so as we continue going through the Bible, we'll see that these become uh, enemies of Israel over time, uh, that, that they're actually driven out of the promised land, that they're, they're some of those some of those cultures. Um, but those two, along with the Edomites, who are their story gets started a little bit later, a couple of generations down the road with a guy named Esau. But but those three are really three of the leaders of the Iron Age, three of the stronger nations of the Iron Age. And so we see that get started out of Lot and his daughters um, and the two sons that that come out of that. So as far as what, what else is going on in the world, we see we see more of what we saw last week, which is cultures and nations, those early uh some of the oldest cultures that we know of, um, this is where they all got started after the Tower of Babel and as they were established, the governments and all of that. And we'll see everything come full circle in, in coming episodes when, like you mentioned, and, I, and when you said that, I just put this together, but that there are going to be groups of people, no spoilers here, but there are going to be groups of people that are going to drive them out of, like you said, the promised land. And, and I just realized who those were. So that is interesting to be able to see that come full circle from where it started to pretty much where it ends. Wow. Yeah. Isn't it crazy when you, when, when all of the connections and, you know, I know we've, um, we've mentioned this before, but like one of the things that I'm really enjoying already about this study is plugging in 
what the Bible says into history so that we can say, okay, this is where everything lines up um, and bring it to life a little bit. I mean, the Iron Age, we, we've all heard of the Iron Age. We're familiar with it. Um, these were two of the cultures that led the Iron Age right here. So boom, there it is. History yeah. in the Bible. It's all there. Very cool. So obviously we know as Christians that the, the Bible points to Jesus in every way from, from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Um, we we see that God, the Father, keeps His promises. For one thing, He mm-hmm. He even if we screw up, He's going to keep those promises. Mm-hmm. But we make those promises even more difficult in our own sin, in our mm-hmm. own wanting to control the timing of everything. So knowing that knowing that God keeps his promises and knowing that we can trust him to do what he says he's going to do. How do we make sure we're listening? Yeah, I think the, the key to that is um, I think there, there are two aspects of it that we see specifically in the story today. I think one of the things is to make sure that our lives are, in line with what God has called us to. So, and and I say that is in like, we've got the Bible there. We know what Jesus taught, live life like Jesus taught us to live it for us to have that communication with God and to, and to know what he wants next for us. It starts with knowing where he wants us to be right now and living life his way. We see that with, with Abram slash Abraham, right? That when he took matters into his own hands, that's when it seems like communication got cut off. And then 13 years later, God showed up and said, okay, let, let's try this again. Let's, let's get this going again. And Abram uh, got a new name, Abraham, and, and he's back in line with God and they're moving forward. Um, and that's when God reveals, hey, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But out of, you know, essentially out of respect for you, Lot and his family are going to be pulled out of there. And so, you know, not that, you know, if we live a good life, that God's going to tell us what's going to happen tomorrow. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But if we want to have communication with God and we want to build a relationship with him, it starts with sin and getting that and getting that out of the picture, being truly repentant um, and, and moving away from it. But, but what we see here consistently is that, like you said, God is good to keep his promises. He is always there in that relationship. It's whether or not we've turned our back to him and gone to other things. He's always steady and faithful. Yeah, God made the promise from the beginning that he was going to be there for us. And he mm-hmm. He proves that, he shows that in a tan- very tangible way in Jesus, in that he sends his only son to die, uh, John 3.16, right? And, and mm-hmm. he gave his son so that when we do sin, we have a way to get back to the Father. So without the belief in that, we're kind of screwed. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's going to be extremely hard. We can never be good enough to earn that. And, and we see that in Abraham. We see that in everybody. We're not, even Abraham, who is righteous in God's eyes, screws up. He messes up and he cannot be good enough, but God kept his promise. So, so it's all about faith in him. Right. It's, it's, it all comes back to faith because 
here's the deal. If, if it was about what we can do, we would never be good enough. That's what all of the story of the old Testament um, proves is that, you know, God at first, he doesn't have the law. He just kind of counts on people to know the right thing in, in having that relationship. Then he establishes the law and people can't keep it. And then, you know, the further off track they get, the relationship goes away too. And so what we see is that we on our own can't be good enough. There's not, we cannot be perfect, which is the requirement, but Jesus came into the scene and he changed all that so that we can have relationship with him. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 puts it this way, for you're saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. The whole point of that is, is basically saying we can't do enough to earn it, but the flip side of that is we also can't do enough to lose it. John 10, 27 and 28 says, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And so I want to say this is an encouragement. Um, I know my story and there are many others who have, who have had this as well, that you have a good relationship with God and uh, you got some sin stuff that gets in the way. You pull away from the church, you pull away from God. You're not building that relationship. You cannot be too far gone for God to bring you back. Uh, the parable of the prodigal son is a great example of that. You know, we can, we can be in God's house in community with him, decide to take off and do things our own way for whatever crazy reason we come up with. God will always take us back. We do not lose our salvation. If you've committed your life to Christ, you cannot lose your salvation. And which is, which is such a comforting promise because I know I mess things up on a daily basis, but I know that I can never mess it up bad enough to lose God's love and the salvation that I have through Jesus. I completely agree. And, uh, I'm right there with you. I think, uh, <laughs> all of us are. So I'm just thankful that I do have Jesus and, and I, I hope that everybody else will eventually come to that realization that that's what they need. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Again, going back to God keeping his promises, you know, when he flooded the earth, he said, I'm never going to destroy the world again, at least not with water. He didn't say he was never going to destroy a city again or two. So I I pray it doesn't come back to that again, but we know that there's going to be tribulation. There's going to be all kinds of different things going on in the pipeline that uh, we really need to repent and find Jesus and do the right things. So I just pray that everybody does that at some point in their lives. So, well, that's going to do it for us this week, y'all. This has been a really fun one to really dive into and, and see how God works through keeping promises and, you know, starting over with a clean slate. We saw that just two weeks ago with Noah, and now we're seeing it again with Sodom and Gomorrah. So next week, we're going to talk about how the promise is fulfilled with Abraham and Sarah and they have their son Isaac and that's a crazy story in itself so uh, we'll see how Abraham's faith is extremely strong and uh, much stronger than it I'm afraid that I would ever be able to say I have but uh, thankfully God still loves us so hope you'll come back for that one next week and and uh, keep coming back for all of the chronological studies that we're, we're doing right now I also encourage you to check us out on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. We've got a Pinterest board where we're putting some of our first of the day stuff. So go go find us anywhere. If you have trouble finding any of those links, uh, go to our website at simplifyjesus.com. 
check us out there. You'll find all of our latest episodes, links to all of our sites, and uh, see what we're up to, keeping up with the latest from Simplify Jesus. I hope you guys will uh, join us again next week as we keep diving through this chronological study through, through the Bible. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.